Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who would never call for Reed Richards and then settle for a half-grown teenager, my specific friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Uh, I'm doing very well today. It's a warm day, and I've been very ambitious doing all sorts of different things. If I could get Reed Richards, I may demand demand him, I guess. Ooh, you're demanding. I should have said my demanding friend, Eddie, but... <laughs> Speaking of demanding, if you're ever a guest on our podcast, Eddie, you know, I kind of like things my way. So it's a little demanding to be uh, to be guest on our show. It is rather a high pressure situation for our guests. But miraculously, we have Dana here rejoining us. Dana, how's it going? Hey, guys, it's going good. I love the theme music that played. That's that's a great song you got there. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, yeah, this week is going a lot better than the last couple of weeks I had to experience, so it may be one of Mysterio's illusions, you never know. Wait, so you're saying that the illusion is that you're having a good time now, or the illusion was the bad things that happened before? The illusion's the good time now. Oh, no. <laughs> Dana! <laughs> Wait, maybe maybe we should interpret that as being on the show as the good illusion. Perhaps. Oh, there we go. It definitely is, yeah. Okay, well, I do like Mysterio. Well... Let me back up. I really liked Mysterio before I read a couple of these books. Well, I might I might have to revisit that. But let me start things off today with a book that doesn't have Mysterio. From January of 1975, Marvel Team of 29 featuring the Human Torch and Iron Man in Beware the Coming of Infinis. Eddie, how do you say that word? Infinitus. Sounds like a Harry Potter spell. Beware the Coming of Infinitus or How Can You Stop the Reincarnated Man? Written by Jerry Conway, art by Jim Mooney, and ink by Vince Coletta. The Human Torch answers a distress call from Tony Stark in Detroit. The narrator reminds us that's where the cars are made, James B. Nice. There, Iron Man and the Torch solve a series of murders and a seeming threat to Tony's life. A batty villain named Infinitus is causing all the mayhem, but eventually Johnny Storm does some research and catches him. Um... That's all for my summary of this book, and I'm just curious. Hey, well, if Spider-Man's not in it, that's all you get for a summary, right? <laughs> that's all you're going to get. Why was this so hard for Iron Man and the Torch to capture in Infinitus, the very definition of a Penny Annie villain, in my opinion? I think instead of just giving you the answer, I will answer it in an overly complicated segment that I like to call, So You're Saying There's a Chance. Right. Okay, so to answer, I have to remind the listeners, there is something called the Techno Murders, Eddie, in the book. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so there was a young a young girl who was killed by a like a washing machine or a dryer. She was yes, electrocuted. Uh, yes, correct. She turned into a pile of dust with a pair of glasses on top of it. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Yes. Okay. Right then there was a man machine. being run over by a steamroller. <laughs> yeah, he had a cane. Poor guy. Yeah, all away. these people were being killed by the by this techno murders. And then on top of this, this guy Infinitus there, he's got a gun that when he shoots Iron Man, it like takes him out. Like it melts his suit. So you may recall from the story that, you know, it, it he's the brother of the other scientist who works with Tony Stark, correct? Yes. Correct. So okay. Tony Stark is a smart man. Right. He hires smart men. Okay. I think this guy's name is Rogers. His, yes, his very good. Yeah. And Rogers' brother, 
genetically has a good chance of being an equally smart man. <laughs> all right. All right. Fair so enough. So I'm saying that this guy is not a pen, penny anti-villain. He's a, he's a genius who's just choosing a really awkward long way to try to kill his brother. So he's really not a penny anti-villain. He's a genius. All right, James. So you're saying there's a chance. Correct, James B. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Eddie, I really actually liked the idea of this story, if I didn't make that clear. I don't know, Eddie, if you noticed, but the Human Torch, when he's researching Egypt with his 40 books, he gets these 40 books, the library closes, and the librarian girl is sleeping, and she's like, do you need anything else? And he's like, only this, and then he kisses her. Eddie, were you okay with this? I did. I, I absolutely did notice that. I, almost as much as I noticed that East Detroit Library is where he does his research, which I, I'm pretty sure is not open and hasn't been for a long time. But well, due to uh, the this, lawsuit that they had to suffer, nobody wants to work there. What in the world? Just getting away with whatever he can because he's a superhero. I mean, she doesn't even have a chance to speak too after she gets kissed. She just looks kind of shocked as he flames on out of there. So, Dana, do you want to weigh in here? Is there any like celebrities that they are, you're okay if they kissed you on the cheek? All right, I'm I'm gonna say Andrew Garfield. If Andrew Garfield kisses me on the cheek, I'd be fine with it. <laughs> I, I'd take a peck on the cheek. Who wouldn't? So. Sure. I'm fine, too. We're all good if Andrew Garfield gives us a kiss. He's a great guy. Sounds good. Uh, speaking of good, hopefully the uh, the next book has as good a plot, maybe a little bit more beyond that. And that is from February of 1975, Spider-Man the Falcon and Marvel team up All That Glitters is Gold by Jerry Conway, Jim Mooney, and Vince Coletta. We open with Spidey saving his new neighbor, Gloria Grant, from a trio of hooligans. Turns out one of them is her cousin, Ramon, and she has Spidey bring him up to her apartment. Ramon wakes and attempts to attack Gloria and Spidey again, but... Hey guys, if you could just stop for one second here. I thought if you could take a look at page five, rather than Eddie explain this, I thought it was time, Eddie, for one of your favorite segments. You know what I'm talking about, Eddie. It's not Shakespeare. It's Marvel team-ups. That's right. Data, guess what we're going to do? I don't know, James. What are we going to do? <laughs> we're going to read this page out loud to the listeners. Oh, great. That's why I didn't want to tell you about it. Hey, um, <laughs> we're going to pick characters here. Okay. Um, I'll take Spider-Man. Do you want Ramon or do you want Gloria, Eddie? Uh, I could do either one. I'm fine with either one. Dana? Okay, I'll be Gloria. All right, here we go. What does she sound like? Give me like something. That's that's up to you, Dana. <laughs> James B., this was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We Grants handle things alone. I don't want to be rude, but... But right now, I'm as welcome as a screen door on a submarine. Spider-Man turns to go, but before we could reach the window... Uh... Ramon! No! Don't! Yeah! <laughs> Ramon, please. This isn't the way. You can't. Spider-Man, stop him! Yeah. Ah! You don't have to tell me twice. A little webbing should do the trick and leave old Ramon here free to talk. I think we want him to talk. Am I right, Miss Grant? Ah! Or am I the only one who noticed Ramon's eyes? His eyes? Sure. I saw it a minute ago when he woke up. Take a good long look. They're wide, staring, drugged. End scene. 
It's not Shakespeare, it's Marvel Tivo. I did a good job playing a zombie, didn't I, everyone? Yeah. You stole yeah, my part, nice Eddie. <laughs> it was excellent. Well, Eddie, you can jump back into your summary. <laughs> the drugs making Ramon lose control wear off, and he tells Spidey a gold, golden-suited man drugged him. Gloria confirms the villain is trying to ethnically cleanse the city of black people. Whoa! What a plot for a Marvel team-up. Yeah, that's a very heavy, serious topic in the middle of this Marvel team-up. Here's the question, though, and I'll let Dana, as our expert guest, answer it. Dana, you're reading Marvel team-up. You run across this. Are you, like, happy because it's a serious topic and it makes it a real book? Or are you, like, not happy because you wanted to nice have a nice comic book read like what are you thinking yeah yeah it's right it's a very heavy topic um i think spider-man always like or marvel always prided themselves on having progressive material am i right in saying that james v yeah i think you're right i think this is the type of thing that stan would have been happy with i don't think there's a right or wrong answer by the way if you know i i i'm even though i'm throwing it at you i would say as an adult I think I like it. As a kid, I don't think I would notice it. Yeah, I wouldn't notice it if I was a younger reader myself. But now that I'm older reading the comics, I do notice how Mary Jane likes to turn the chauvinistic ways on her head a little bit and kind of have a little bit of like role reversals and things like that. And they have like some kind of protests going on. So I guess it makes the world more realistic, which is nice as a reader. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a great point. Um, other people that like to make the world uh, a better place are the social workers, Eddie. That's correct. Soon we will see Sam Wilson because Gloria calls him looking for help. And it turns out Sam Wilson is secretly also the Falcon. Separately, the Falcon and Spidey arrive at a club where they battle the gold-suited man, better known as Minus, and his goons. With some Falcon love, the goons tell the heroes the club is owned by a millionaire philanthropist, Harry Merriwell, in upstate New York. They travel to the mansion, and with a little help from some unconventional science, they escape and determine the brother of Harry Merriwell, Malcolm, is Midas. Uh, Eddie, how did Spider-Man and Falcon, you said they had to escape with some unconventional science. How did they get captured? Oh, my. You know, the spider sense was not working at all here. They show up to the mansion, ring the doorbell, the butler comes out. The butler comes out, yep. The Falcon is whispering to Spider-Man and says that this was easy as. And then it's like we lost two or three panels because two guys, which look like they're wheeling drumsticks, whack both Spider-Man and the Falcon on the head. Eddie, were you in the impression that the butler was in on this? I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't say either way whether and he whose house is this? Though. Which brother? Both brothers? One brother? This is the main brother who owns the club, the millionaire philanthropist. Ugh, that worded me. And so it's, it's the good guy brothers club, but the bad guy brother is like running a evil <laughs> yes. organization in it. I, that's the what I determined through this book. Mm. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say, James, we all the way through this second half of this book. Uh, in the first half, I was like, "Wow, for a Marvel team up, like things are kind of moving along logically here." Uh, you know, introduction of Falcon and Gloria and the cousins and the drugs that is happening to, the, you know, the children. And then suddenly, thankfully, the second half of this book 
it just makes very little sense. All sorts of things occur, and you felt more go back to the Mysterio illusion went away, and we were back to Marvel. <laughs> that was it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, before we do the non-Marvel team-up part of our show, why don't we jump off and do a really quick sponsor? Is that okay with you guys? Sounds great. Yep, I love your sponsors. All right, great. I love them too. <laughs> I think you guys have an idea what's going on today because today is uh, the 20th of June. Uh, so we have some holidays going on, especially some holidays that we hadn't celebrated yep. before. So, Eddie, between National Onion Rings Day and International Fairy Day this week, you'd probably... You know, going to be like most adults basically partying all week long. But, you know, there are kids out there who need to have fun as well. And there are some new toys they might enjoy. That's right. You can celebrate National Handshake Day this week with the third Spider-Man action figure collector's pack. Featuring figures from Marvel Team Up 29 and 30. Oh, boy. This four-pack of figures includes East Detroit Library Librarian Woman. Ramon Grant, Glorious Cousin. That was the one that Eddie portrayed the voice of. Uh, yeah. The Mary Wells Butler. <laughs> and you couldn't call it a Spider-Man action figure collection without ashes from Electrocuted Girl. So although these four figures didn't have a lot to do with each other in the issues, you can create exciting adventures. So you could have the butler invite Ramon and the librarian in the house. Are they there for drugs? For romance? Is the butler going to attack them? Who knows? Hours of fun. This four-pack is normally $99.95, but if you give them a code, you know the code, Eddie, a swift death for fools, Let's Read Spider-Man listeners receive 10% off. So, Eddie, are you going to buy one pack for your girls to share or just one for each to celebrate these holidays? Who, who is making these god-awful toys, James B.? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Eddie, <laughs> this is a sponsor of our show. I'm sorry. This is just ridiculous that we're getting a third round and we're getting, well, I guess I could reenact the butler of like two minds. Ooh, am I going to go get the drummers to club Spider-Man and Falcon who are an invisible in my toy set over the head? Uh, James B. <laughs> we can't give any feedback back to the company suggesting perhaps Ed, different Eddie, figures? this is an opportunity for you to play with the East Detroit librarian, uh, Ramon Grant. I mean, Ramon Grant, Eddie, a guy that you took the time to practice the lines. You know what? I, no, I know how you feel about this. Let me let me talk to somebody who's a little more okay. up to date on up what's going on in the world. Thank goodness. Dana, tell Eddie about these figures and why you're so excited for the opportunity to play with them. Sure, James B. Um, these figures are collectibles, Eddie, and I don't know if you collect mm -hmm. action figures. These are memorable characters, and I do not have any children like both of you do, but if I did, I know they would be begging me to take them to, where do they sell them? Walmart, Target, James B., did you say? Uh, I think they're just direct order. I don't think stores will carry these things. <laughs> they would be hounding me to order these toys for them. There you go. There you go. See, that's how you do it. So, all right. Thank you for being here. It's nice to see it's someone supports like the uh, obscure figures from Empire Strikes Back, you know, 20 years from now. I guess they'll be worth a million dollars. Oh, you know they will be. That's right. Not every figure can be Spider-Man and Mysterio, which, by the way, are two of the people, sort of, the main characters from February of 1974, The Amazing Spider-Man number 141. The man's name appears to be Mysterio by Jerry Conway, Ross Andrew, 
F.D. Akoya, and D. Hunt. <laughs> All right, thank goodness. Back to real characters. We begin with the offbeat Spider-Mobile being driven by Spider-Man as he feels it will help him track the Jackal. Uh, Dana, is this the right use of the Spider-Mobile? That's a good question, Eddie. I don't think that Spider-Man or Peter Parker is the best driver, and it's not always his fault because he doesn't have much practice driving as he's a New Yorker. And we always kind of see him using the trains and the buses to get around um, campus to and from and to his apartment, to the Daily Bugle, and to visit his Aunt May. Um, And there's so much traffic in Manhattan, I would think that the webs would be a more practical um, transportation device and he'll get to his destination quicker. And if he's fighting the vulture or the goblin who can fly, I don't think a car would be all that useful. I, I completely agree that he should be webbing around New York. But, you know, after I recently saw him on his rock licking red motorcycle, he's not a bad driver. He rode a motorcycle for 20 issues or 30 issues. I know it's not a car, but, like, he understands traffic I agree. Loss, right? I love the motorcycle. The motorcycle is great, and he can ride it as Peter. But I don't think he can ride the car oh. as Peter. <laughs> As he puts his spider suit on, he he no longer can drive very well. (laughs) It's true. It's a personality change for him. Well, after a Steve McQueen-like maneuver to avoid the cops, he manages to drive off a pier and has to walk home because his web shooters are soaked through. The next day, in Chemistry 106, Professor Warren pulls Peter aside to tell him he needs to get his grades in order. Um, I'm really struck by the words of Professor Warren here. He says, you have immense potential more than any other student I've ever had. And then he goes on to say, I'd like to think we have a good relationship, Peter, as teacher and pupil, even as friends. Um, What do you think about Peter having to retake Biochem 106, Dana? Thank you for asking, Eddie. And I was a biology major and also pre-med in college. And most pre-med students are required to take one year of biology, one year of chemistry, one year of organic chemistry, one semester of biochemistry and one year of physics in order to prepare for the rigorous medical college admissions test, the MCAT exam. I'm sure you've heard of that. Well, James V and Eddie, I've done some research on the physics undergraduate college programs in the US and I ran some Mm. statistical tests. So I propose you this, guess how many physics college programs require one year of biochemistry? 155. 10. The answer is none. None. (laughs) Peter Parker is taking biochemistry 106 purely as an elective. The question is why? Because physics is a hard major. And I I think, um, I don't know if you think this, but do you think he's taking this biochemistry class with Professor Warren as a tribute to the late Gwen Stacy, since she studies biochemistry and genetics? Wow. What a notion. Just, wow. It's possible. We will continue to contemplate. Thank you, Dana. Um, MJ buoys Peter's spirits with a walk through the park, but we turn to a very happy Jay Jonah smoking his favorite cigar at the Midtown Businessmen's Club with Joe Robbie. After purloining a bite to eat, Spidey is slowly engulfed in a strange mist. Mysterio appears to give him a few quick blows and runs. Spidey realizes it's a trap but follows anyway. He begins to hallucinate all of his old foes, breaks his hands and nearly his head, and Mysterio departs, taunting him ominously. We end with Peter learning at the bugle that Mysterio has been dead for almost a year. Yeah, I don't recall Mysterio dying. We 
We didn't know this, right, Eddie? I no. It, it's kind of like the kingpin getting arrested in Las Vegas. Who knows what happened? Hmm. I don't know if I believe this or not, but let me jump to the next issue. These kind of go hand in hand, these two books. From March of 1975, The Amazing Spider-Man 142, Dead Man's Bluff by Conway, Andrew, Iakoya, and Hunt. While Spidey ponders the fragility of his mind and his badly injured hands, Mysterio reappears, but Spidey only seems to find a mocking mirage of the villain. Back at Peter's new apartment, MJ comes by to see how he's doing while on the phone with Aunt May. He has another hallucination and throws the phone. Gloria invites MJ and Peter to a party she's having, and we move across town to the Daily Bugle, where J. Jonah is very, very happy. Um, I like the J. Jonah heel click and the rest of these panels, including Gloria Grant. Dana, we have seen a lot of Gloria today. What do you think of her as a character? Yeah, we have seen a lot of Gloria today. She was in Marvel Team Up and this. And I think, um, yeah, she's a great neighbor. She's very uh, nurturing towards Peter. And I have a personal story about (laughs) Gloria. Um, I never mentioned the reason that I got into Spider-Man as a fan. And it's because my aunt Gloria, who goes by Glory, was the person who was a huge Spider-Man fan in my life. And that's why I started reading the comics. Wow. Wow. How fitting. So cool. Well, Peter and MJ arrive at the Bugle, and Peter heads off to talk to Joe Rowley, while MJ reveals to Betty her feelings towards Peter have changed. But she is interrupted by Ned, who reveals Betty and him have set a date for marriage. Everyone is happy. Except for me. Does anyone else think Betty is too good for Ned Leeds? Ned Leeds is fine. He's a good reporter. He's never done anything, as far as I can tell, up until this point, bad at all. So I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> Betty's just, worse than him. He's just, it's like Infinitus, but in bland personality. You're, you're Penny completely Andy. wrong. Useless. He's fine. Dana? I think Betty went through a lot with her, what was it, her brother? And then like her on-again, off-again relationship with Peter and now Peter's mature enough to move on so I say good for Betty I think Ned's okay there you go speaking of moving on Spidey heads out to track down Mysterio reverse tracking him through a hallucination device he found hidden on his costume uh what was that everyone I'm sorry Eddie I'm distracted by this line here that says Mysterio may be dead comma in prison uh what part of the tracking bothers you Eddie uh, there's a device on Spider-Man's costume, which is a hallucination device. I assume was planted there by Mysterio to produce hallucinations in front of him. Did anyone else see this? Yeah, I just can't figure it out either. I, what? <laughs> like, how did you not realize there's a pin on your... He's changing as Peter Parker. It It makes no sense. Maybe that's part of the illusion. Maybe... He didn't need to see that, or Mysterio didn't want him to see that. These are things that are happening, again, when the Kingpin's in Vegas being arrested. We're missing something, right? There's too many dot, dot, dots. I'm, I keep scrolling through the book. When did this happen, right? Yeah, I, I do not know what is going well. He says he found it on his chest, and he realizes it was placed there during the dock fight. We just don't get to see it being placed there during the dock fight. 
Anyways, um, he finds Mysterio and quickly subdues him. It, it isn't the original Mysterio, but another stuntman, Danny Burkhart, and like a bad magician, he explains all of his earlier ruses. Um, here we are entering an era of the villain not really being the villain. It's happened a lot recently. Yeah. Uh, well, we saw Spider-Man being a villain, driving a car, but it was really yes. the chameleon. We saw sure. the vulture being the vulture, but it wasn't the vulture. We have the goblin, who's not the original goblin. It's Harry. And now Mysterio, who's some dude named Danny Burkhart, like the scorpion, seems to be working for J. Jonah Jameson and gives the the reader, treating me like a five-year-old, explains every single thing he's done in a full page. It also, like how every one of his illusions and tricks works and everything. It's, it's completely the tell-don't-show Danny Burkhart issue. So, so irritating. Uh, there's an epilogue at the end where J. Jonah uh, looks very panicked as he gets a call from Danny and he says to Betty, I'm headed for Paris. And that's it. Yeah, that's it. Dana, do you have any overall thoughts about this, uh, these books at all? Um, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I, I think the writers are trying to think of creative ways to end villains, but also keep them continuing. And this was their... This was their plot to do that. So, Dana, Eddie and I have been reading comics, but I know that you've been watching Spider-Man on Disney Plus, something we haven't been doing. Why don't you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, they have a lot of um, animated shows, and they, they're all on Disney Plus, even the ones from the, seven, the 1980s, I think, um, and they have the newer ones. And it's interesting for me because I was a huge Harry Potter fan growing up and I read the books before I watched the films. And this is kind of the opposite of that. It's exactly the opposite of that. I'm watching the films and I'm watching and I'm watching the shows and then kind of seeing where the creators of the show pull in aspects of the original comics into the show. So it's it's cool to to know have the comic background and relate that to the animated shows. Have you watched any of the Spider-Man and his amazing friends? I did, yes. You know that Firestar is not a real character in the Marvel Universe? I do know that. They added her like 20 years after she was in the cartoon. So she, I think she does exist now. But They wanted Johnny Storm originally, right? Correct. Yep. Yes. That is correct. That is mm-hmm. correct. So, um, well, if people wanted to uh, get a hold of Firestar, they probably couldn't. But if they wanted to get a hold of you, Dana, how could they find you? They can find me on Twitter at AFutureMovie. And Eddie, if they wanted to reach out to us to tell us that we need to have Dana back, how would they tell us? Email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And it's time for the close. I'm James B. joined by Eddie and Dana. And remember, listeners, if you get in a fight with Mysterio down at the docks, watch out. He may slap a hallucination device on you. And you probably won't notice. And neither will the readers, because it won't appear in the issue. Goodbye. 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 Can we talk about the science of Spidey explaining to the Falcon? (laughs) His webbing, expanding the door and blowing it open. (laughs) Did you see this data at all? Um, in 30. He says, like, we're going to freeze in two minutes, but my webbing should ex- should go off in one minute, 50 seconds. Wow, that's precise. And then the Falcon's like, 
well, my face is going to f- 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 freeze. And then it blows the door open. And then all the guests come running up. And then they're like, oh, look, there's people tied up in here. And this what? says like, you know, after a quick explanation of what's going on, they're freed. I mean, should we trust him, though? He's failing biochem. Like, <laughs> he has to retake it. And you know what happens when you retake it? So on your transcript, what the happens? grade gets replaced. But when he's applying to graduate school, which he does, um, it, the failing grade, like the F, gets factored into his overall GPA. So. Oh, ouch. And then I We're see that just... I looked up, just because I was curious, I looked up like what his graduate like study program is, and he ends up studying biophysics. So I guess wow. that's where the biochemistry comes into it. But he is just like a regular physics major up until this point.